Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Pat Narduzzi of Pitt later. Dave Doran of NC State next hour. Jim Zoki of the Carolina Panthers right now. The New York Giants have said they will not place running back Saquon Barkley, ankle injury on injured reserve. ESPN and others are reporting that NFL owners are proposing a 17-game regular season slate up from the current 16 as part of discussions for the next collective bargaining agreement. The 1-2 and two Eagles visit the 3-0 Packers tonight to get Week 4 rolling. And as you know, the weekend that awaits us includes the Saints hosting the Cowboys, undefeated versus undefeated when the 3-0 Patriots visit the Bills, the Chiefs visit the Lions, neither of them has lost yet, the Vikings are at the Bears, Washington's 0-3, but hosting the now interesting New York Giants with Daniel Jones at the controls, Browns at the Ravens, and for our purposes, the most important matchup, of course, the 1-2 Panthers visiting the 2-1 Texans. Jim Zoki, as we welcome you back to the show and hope you are doing well and thank you for your time. We are having a very strict sports question of the day today, and it is, who is your most unforgettable sports whistleblower for you as an American sports fan. It can be the NFL, given your line of work, but it could be another man or woman who carried the important whistle as well. You know, I'm going to keep it NFL because we're most familiar with the NFL referees. I don't know what answers you can, so I might be repeating somebody, but, I mean, you get the most memorable. you got to go sons out, guns out at Hockey League. <laughs> as that guy, his son is now a referee. Yes. So we've had him in a couple of our games already this season, one of our preseason games. I forget his first name, but there's a younger Hockley. Yep. Ed Hockley's going to be that guy. We've gotten Red Cashin from the old school people. Ed Hockley, yep. very popular. Gene Steratore, for now, is also on the NFL podium. No Jerome Boger yet. Not yet, but it, there's time. I mean, it's relatively early in today's program, Jim. So thank yeah, you for... My backup pick will be Jerome Boger. I'll leave that as a, as a backup pick if you need a second. All right, you're planting a seed. Maybe we can open a grassroots campaign for Jerome so that he can get <laughs> some votes between now and the end of today's program all right we have a whole bunch going on with your carolina panthers let me start here let's go half glass half full luke keekley on defense christian mccaffrey on offense i don't know if you're an easy grader if you were a school teacher for example but they're both playing at you know an a on the report card type level at least through my eyes from afar who else deserves that as we're heading toward game number four, which of course would mean the quarter pole, which if I remember in elementary school, you got a report card. Oh, very nice. Yeah, you know, A, Greg Olson. I mean, this would be, I guess he'd be a, a graduate student senior at this point of his career. And he's just uh, defied the age of coming back from the two broken feet year in and year out. And everyone was kind of down on Greg Olson, but two touchdown catches in that last game playing like one of the top five tight ends in the league. Once again, I'll give him an A on, on offense. And then defensively, you know, lots to give out. But, you know, you look at somebody like Mario Addison for three sacks last week. He's got four on the season. Brian Burns as a rookie out of Florida State. Yeah. That the pressure that's coming from the defensive front is making it all so much easier in the back half of the defense. So those would be just a handful of the A's to give out so far. I know if I say the word Super Bowl in context with the team whose games you call, people will roll their eyes. I might even get a Jim Morris-style playoffs, playoffs. <laughs> but it is factually correct to say, uh, as my one and two Philadelphia Eagles head to Green Bay tonight, and as your one and two Panthers head to the Texans, 
only in 53 years of the Super Bowl era, only one team has started one and three and ended up winning the Super Bowl. That was the Patriots of 2001. As you think about what has gone right, as you just described, but also what must get a lot better, putting quarterback to the side for now, what, yep. what does Ron Rivera have to see improve before we even get into the Kyle Allen, Cam Newton stuff? You know, the offensive line's a work in progress. And uh, and with an injury to Trey Turner, the Pro Bowl guard, it's going to be some maneuvering going on this week. And as we sit here today, things could change after practice uh, this afternoon here in a little bit. But as of now, you know, Greg Little came in, played about half the snaps at left tackle, the first-round pick. And I would expect that to happen, that he would take over for Daryl Williams, and that Daryl Williams would slide over to right guard for Trey Turner. Uh, but I think as collectively – They've not been great. Darrell Williams has, has stood out as struggling at left tackle, which is why Greg Little uh, came in and shared snaps with Darrell Williams last week at Arizona. Uh, Matt Paradis has maybe not come quite back, uh, maybe fully from that leg injury last year. hasn't looked as dominant as he did in Denver. So to me, offensive line is probably the, the biggest concern right now about what could be improved. What did you make of Kyle Allen's performance last week, which had a whole lot of Panthers fans excited, uh, but yet others urging caution? And what is your educated guess about how they're going to handle Cam Newton beyond this week, where we already know uh, he is out and Kyle Allen will get a second straight start? I mean, Kyle Allen was lights out. I mean, that was just a phenomenal performance. And I don't care if anyone says there wasn't much film on him or whatever for the other team to look at it. I don't care if they were the 31st ranked yardage defense, but the throws he was making, just the eyeball test of how he moved in the pocket, throws he made, leading receivers, hitting fingertips. I mean, nobody was diving or bending down or doing a a Dante Jackson-style interception to make a catch out there. I mean, he was the back rail touchdown to Olsen, the one in the corner of the Samuel. He's moving around in the pocket. Uh, His confidence, never wavering after that early fumble. I mean, he was great. Um, And so, again, it's they can't build everything on one performance. We've seen enough uh, through the years, right? 25 years of Chris Winkie, Matt Moore, and others where the town wanted to anoint them as, as mayor. Uh, you know, let's let's get a few games. Let's just be realistic and see what he does against a better defense in Houston this week. And then the Cam Newton thing, I would almost term it as a week-to-week thing at this point. I mean, we, we don't get a lot of medical information. They, they, they don't have to share it, so they don't. Uh, we don't know exactly what that foot injury entails as far as the healing process. I don't think they know for sure either. So I think we're just going to take it week by week. It certainly looks like it's going to be a multiple-week thing even at this point. So uh, I would assume it's going to be a while. Bruce Irvin on the edge has been unavailable. You mentioned the Trey Turner question, Mark. What else do we know about the Panthers' health heading to Houston? You know, K.K. Short didn't play last week yeah. either. Despite those eight sacks, they, they still uh, got eight without K.K. in there too. And he's got a shoulder that's dinged up right now. That's probably the, the biggest ones that are out there. You mentioned Trey Turner already, K.K. Marquise Haynes is on the injury report. Is not practicing yesterday. He's been kind of quietly one of those guys that comes in in that rotation at the edge. He provides some depth there. She'd so like to have him, and and hopefully he'll be ready to roll. But that's it. Uh, we'll see. I think Trey Turner is probably the biggest one, and probably the biggest. And I probably at this point would be leaning that he's not going to play Trey Turner at this moment. But uh, we'll see on KK Short whether he's able to go or not. Jim Zoki of the Carolina Panthers radio analyst on Twitter. He is at Jim Zoki. That is S-Z-O-K-E. It is the Panthers at the Texans Sunday, 1 o'clock, Fox on the TV side. Panthers are a four-point or so underdog as they try to even their record at 2-2. Two and two. I don't know if you would agree with this assessment I'm about to say briefly, but the metrics and the analytics and the computers say basically – 
that the Texans' defense is slightly above average, but the Panthers' defense is probably better. Uh, the Texans' special teams, slightly above average, and the Panthers' special teams also slightly above average. The big difference through three weeks, according to the numbers, is that the Panthers have had their well-documented well struggles, and Houston, Houston's numbers are up there, you know, not quite the Kansas City Chiefs-type level, but in the top five in the NFL. Remind us, what besides former Clemson quarterback Deshaun Watson is going right for Houston on that side of the ball as they're off to a 2 and one start and looking like a playoff team to many people? I mean, so much speed at wide receiver. I mean, you start with DeAndre Hopkins, you know, arguably one of the top two or three receivers in the league. And then you, uh, you just add in having a healthy Will Fuller for the first time in a while. And then that trade they made, that kind of controversial trade, where they brought in you know, Tunstall at left tackle, and with that, the Kenny Stills, the wide receiver. And he's got four catches of 30-plus yards already, so you can't underlook him. And Kiki QT is another one. They, they got so much depth at wide receiver. It, it's uh, it's going to be a handful in the secondary to keep up with all that speed out there. They're not – Great at running the ball. Duke Johnson, for whatever reason, just doesn't seem to get used as much wherever he goes. And to me, Carlos Hyde, although he's averaging like 4.8 yards per carry last week, was like less than two yards per carry. I think that's more of what Carlos Hyde's going to look like is more of a plotter, a thumper into the line. So not worried about their running game outside of the feet of the quarterback, Sean Watson, but uh, they, you could contain them play after play, and then they could break off a 30, 40-yard play, get you in that three-run home run, and that, that's kind of you got to worry about, I think. As we let you go, is it safe to say when your new broadcast partners are either large human beings like Jordan Gross or <laughs> Panthers Hall of Honorees like a Jake DeLome and a Jordan Gross that, you right. know, you have to minimize the freshman initiation, the hazing, the carrying my bags type stuff? It's like funny to say, and then as you're spitting the words out, you realize how stupid you sound <laughs> to say, Jake, could you do that? Or Jordan, could you do that? You know what's sad is, DG, uh, they're so nice, they would. You're right. Do that. They would go get Bojangles chicken, they would carry bags. And then you feel even worse, like, no, we were kidding. Yeah. So, yeah. That is so funny. That is so true. It reminds me of, like, the fraternity days for me back in the day. Like, I never wanted to ask the nicest guy to do anything, even though I was supposed it's to put... fun out of it. Right? I mean, oh, yes, Mr. Zoki, I'll be happy to do that for you. I mean, come on. That's yeah, you want to be awkward and it hates <laughs> It's not. They're just they're pleasant, athletic. Everyone loves them. It's I just, love it. You just I, feel like a lesser human around them. I love it. Well done, man. Thanks for the visit. Have fun in Houston. You got it, DJ. 1-800-849-2761. A compelling NFL weekend for sure. Tonight, Eagles at Packers. Packers haven't lost yet. Eagles were a preseason, you know, top five or so favorite in the NFL. Off to a one and two start for a variety of reasons, including injuries. Uh, Philly is on a short week on the road against an unbeaten opponent and still dealing with some injuries. I mean, I love my Eagles, and I believe they can dig out of this hole, but that is a tricky set of circumstances as week four begins tonight with the 1-2 and two Eagles at the 3-0 and o Packers, 820 Fox NFL Network, the combo broadcast there. Panthers at Texans, early game. Browns at Ravens. That is worth watching for a change. Chiefs at Lions, neither have lo has lost. The Lions do have a tie. Patriots at Bills, when's the last time we saw them 3-0 against 3-0? Undefeated Buffalo? 
hosting undefeated New England. Only half of that equation usually applies. The Vikings are at the Bears in a battle of two and one old rivals. And Washington at the Giants, interesting mainly because we all want to see what Daniel Jones, formerly of Duke, does for an encore. Sunday night football, by the way, these are treats all weekend long. It'll be the Saints hosting the Cowboys. That's another big-time matchup. It's one of those weekends where the NFL action, I think, eclipses even the half a dozen or so must-see TV-style games offered by the college football ranks. More on those a little bit later. Pat Narduzzi is in his fifth year as the head coach of the Pitt Panthers. Last year, he took them to the ACC title game against Clemson. Last week... He led the Panthers to one of the biggest wins of the college football weekend. They stopped the Golden Knights 27-game regular season winning streak that dated back more than two full calendar years. They, he is the guy that just stopped short of dropping an F-bomb accidentally during his pumped-up sideline interview after beating UCF over the weekend. He joins us live, hopefully, while avoiding FCC violations, next on The David Glenn Show. Mike Krzyzewski joining us. We asked folks you work with at Duke if you've changed or mellowed over the years. Well, you know, mellow is having a glass of wine and looking over, you know, the sunset, you know. <laughs> uh, I don't see how you can be mellow and coach a game. That can't happen. If it does, then you shouldn't be coaching. Keep it here on the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. More of your whistleblower calls. A little bit later, who is the most unforgettable sports whistleblower for you as an American sports fan? Dave Doran of NC State live in less than 60 minutes. Pat Narduzzi of the Pitt Panthers is about to drop by as well. He's an interesting dude. He took Pitt to the ACC title game last season. He happens to have a master's degree that included an emphasis in sports psychology. So we love picking his brain at ACC kickoff when he drops by. I don't know many coaches who would claim not to know what Death Valley is and then go to Clemson and beat the Tigers, which he did. I don't know many coaches that would be playing the number two team in the country and at halftime of that game against then number two Miami, promise a win over the Hurricanes and then watch his team deliver that victory. That was two years ago. Last year, he met with us in Charlotte at ACC Media Day prior to the season. And he said to us, I mean, I guess half-jokingly, but he looked serious to me, I'll see you guys back here in Charlotte for the ACC title game. For the third year in a row, for the third time in a row, his bold declaration actually came true, right? The Panthers played Clemson for the ACC title at Bank of America Stadium in Charlotte. It was interesting to me that he used what Nick Foles caught as the Eagles beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl a couple years ago. I don't think it was called Philly Special when the Panthers used it to beat UCF, but it was a similar kind of play. You all know what it looks like, right? The quarterback goes up behind center and pretends that he's wandering over his guard and tackle, whispering something to them that I'm sure is designed to be very meaningful. And then he just kind of treads there, hovers for a second behind his tackle, and then the direct snap goes to the running back, and there's an end around, and of course everybody ignores the quarterback, and whether it was Nick Foles catching it against the Patriots for the Eagles in that Super Bowl win, or it was Kenny Pickett catching it for the Panthers in that victory over UCF. You can call it whatever you want to call it, but Philly special 
helped the Panthers post one of the biggest wins of the college football weekend. Coach Narduzzi, welcome back to the David Glenn Show. How are you? I'm doing great. How you doing, David? Doing really well. Uh, my Philadelphia Eagles won the Super Bowl in part by using <laughs> a Philly special. Was the play that you used to beat UCF last weekend specifically a result of the Eagles play, and what name do you guys have for it? It is the Pitt special, and certainly is. Uh, you know, Mark Whipple, our offense coordinator, didn't work in that Super Bowl, but was with the Eagles, and and he, you know, he watched a lot of NFL tapes. So, uh, if you want to look for the next trick play, you know, defense coordinators out there have to go through a bunch of NFL tape because you know we're tied into the NFL, being right next to the Steelers, and right. And, uh, you know, you can see that guy at midnight watching NFL tape. Coach Dews, for those who don't know, one of the best defensive coordinators in America while at Michigan State. That helped get him the pit job. He is now the fifth-year head coach of the Panthers. So we don't, we're not like dinner friends, but I feel like after five years I have a little bit of a sense of your personality. Truth serum answer to this question. How close were you, Pat Narduzzi, during your sideline interview pumped up about your Panthers bouncing back from that Penn State defeat to beat UCF, close to dropping an F-bomb on national television? <laughs> you know, uh, I've had a couple of questions on that, not by any of our media, because uh, they know I would never do that. I've never done that. Uh, and we're on radio, Palco. by the Tyler way, Palco. Coach. We're, we're not Tyler on HBO Palco. or Sirius XM. We're, we're... <laughs> Tyler Palco did it one time, and it's kind of been a pit history deal there, and he'll be the last man in pit history. But, you know, I, I, got, I got kind of excited. But really, you know, I was going to say something about football, okay? And, you know, I, that's what I feel like. Like, I just – I remember almost turning around looking at our guys, and when I did that, I was talking about we had a great, great football team. I yeah. was going to say football first, <laughs> and I missed the great football team. And, and then I think I said football a couple, you know, words after that. But uh, I can see why people would think, but it was really football, I think, I was trying to spit out. But then, you know, I forgot the adjective before football. A lot of coaches use the three Fs, but remember, folks – those are faith, family, and football. Don't mix in that other F, at least not on live national television. <laughs> uh, Coach, I don't know if you know this. David Tepper, the current owner of the Panthers of the NFL here in our backyard, former minority owner of the Steelers, you know, you share the facilities with, he actually has a set of brass balls on his desk that was a gift to him because of some of the decisions he made while becoming a big, you know, billionaire hedge fund manager. I wonder right. if you have a set or have somebody bought buy one for you because, Coach, I've never met anybody who claimed not to know Death Valley was at Clemson and then beat the Tigers. I, I saw you on TV in a halftime interview say you were going to beat Miami in the second half, and you did. And then last year in Charlotte, you told the assembled media at ACC kickoff, hey, I'll see you guys back here for the title game. And sure enough, you pulled that off as well. Is there a pair of brass balls somewhere on your desk at Pitt? No, David, but I know you said you're tight with me. So maybe you can you know, go talk to David there. Uh, he, he has talked about his brass balls on his desk. And uh, I need to get some of those. I'd like a, you know, I really would like a pair. So if you can get together with the media, maybe get me one. I, I can't see myself in the city of Pittsburgh going shopping for no. one. Not a shopper to start off with. I think it's kind of a bad look, uh, the head coach going to try to find those. But I would True. like a set if I could. Uh, I'll pay for them. You just send them to me, and I'll, I'll pay you, okay? I understand. Uh, it, it would hey, be awkward told, to buy it hey, for you yourself. Forgot, you forgot our kicker missed two field goals last week. And after he missed the second one, I grabbed him, and I said, listen, don't worry about it. You're going to kick the game winner. And he did. Um, so, you know, there's, there's a lot of that goes on. Um, and, again, half it's just being positive. And I think, you know, you, 
you get what you think you're going to get. See this? Sometimes you get what you don't think you're going to get. You and I know each other so well, apparently, you stole one of my later questions in this conversation because for those who didn't see it, uh, Coach Narduzzi consoled his kicker. Uh, it was really clear on TV. I mean, we couldn't hear your words, but uh, I guess you just shared that answer. I mean, you told him what he was going to do later after he was clearly down and dejected after missing a couple kicks against UCF. Yeah, there's no doubt. And, again, I did the same thing with Chris Blewett, if, if you recall yeah, back yeah. in the uh, Clemson game. Did the same thing. And, I, and let me just tell you, those are the only two times I've ever talked to a kicker. I don't okay. know what it is. Uh, you know, But maybe I should go see their asses a little earlier. I don't know, you know. Uh, but uh, you know, those guys, I mean, I, I probably should go get them. I mean, maybe I should talk to them every down if they are going to do something good after it. I don't know. I love your logic. By the way, Darren, write down, it would look inappropriate if Coach bought himself the pair. But as a gift, I think it's fine. Tepper says it's okay. Coach Deuce says it's okay as well. Serious question. I learned that you earned a master's degree at Miami of Ohio that included an emphasis in sports psychology. Now, you gave us one very specific application there as you talked to your kickers. In more general sense, how have you found that valuable as a leader of young men in football? You know, it's extremely valuable. And, and again, the master's program, uh, was a, it was called the you know, Sports Studies. Um, and, again, it was really, you know, you think about it, why didn't they call it sports psychology? It was sports studies. And, and uh, you know, Robin Vealy, an Illinois grad, was one of the top professors in that field uh, at Miami. And, and, uh, and I forget there's an older guy, big, you know, Greek-looking guy that was really good too. Um, but, you know, as a football coach, to me, it's all about the psychology of the kids and what you're telling them. Um, so when you talk about you know being positive and and, and having you know positive self-talk as opposed to negative self-talk, you talk about routines, about what routine a kid goes through, and keep trying to you know keep the same routine, whether it's you know a coach keeping the same itinerary for a weekend just so the kids feel comfortable. I mean, there's there's so many things that go into the mental part of the game. I just got done with our local media here, you know, talking about the game is 50% physical and 50% mental. And uh, if you go out there, you can be the most physical guy in the world. But if you don't have the 50% mental part down, um, you know, you probably won't be as great as you can be. It was really cool. One of your guys in Charlotte said, it feels like for every one thing where our coach is kind of getting on us or yelling at us even, uh, you feel like there's two or more things where they're kind of pumping us up a little bit. That was neat to hear. Coach Pat Narduzzi is joining us. You can follow him on Twitter at Coach Dues Pit FB. His Panthers stopped the Golden Knights 27-game regular season winning streak that dated back more than two calendar years. That was one of the biggest wins of this past weekend. As we let you go and thank you for your time, you knocked off what was then the number 15 ranked team in the country. As you try to, you know, paint the ACC football picture, Coach, or even step back at the national picture, you know, Georgia Tech lost to the Citadel and they're struggling. Clemson's 4-0 and and number one. Is it really like 12 shades of gray in between those two extremes right now uh, behind the Clemson Tigers? Uh, or can you already see, the, you know, sort of a tiering of ACC football teams? You know, i got to be honest with you. I haven't watched much. I mean, we played, played in the Big Ten the week before. We got, uh, you know, a talented, you know, successful um, Delaware football team this week. Um, you know, we had Central Florida. I mean, so, we, you know, I haven't watched a whole lot of ACC football here. We're focused on, on Delaware right now. But, but, you know, we'll find out here in the next four or five weeks, um, you know, where, where things are playing there. But, uh, you know, our hopes that we're going to, you know, try to beat Delaware and then start to focus on the ACC. Thanks for squeezing us in during a busy week, Coach. It's great to hear your voice again. Uh, thanks for letting us goof around a little bit and ask even a few serious questions. Hey, you got it, David. I appreciate you having me on. And, and again, 
you know where I'm at. Yeah. Okay. It's tricky. Those, There's those, what's those the brass, what's the specialty balls, store? I really like, want those. I who, like those. We got to find and, out from Tepper. You got to get it done. Just let me know. I'll write you a check. I I'll buy give you a I, shopping fee. It, like I'll give you like 10 percent extra <laughs> for, for going out and, and getting the work done. So if I don't get them, I'm going to be disappointed. See, okay. The, the way so my brain works. Way, hey, find a way to get it done. <laughs> After 33 years of covering this league, coach, you'll laugh at this. I sometimes want to just give a player a nice gift, and then I'm thinking, oh great, I'm going to create an NCAA scandal. Right. I, I no would, NCAA scandal with me. Exactly. I'm allowed to purchase and the brass be, balls. Every time I walk in my office, I'll be thinking. <laughs> thanks, man. Have a good week. Hey, thanks, David. Appreciate it. <laughs> you got it. Pat Narduzzi of the Pitt Panthers. Last year, trip to the ACC title game. This year, they don't know what they are in the ACC context yet. Clemson is at the top. Uh, Georgia Tech is at the bottom. And everybody else is in between. And the Panthers are one of those shades of gray. They are a really good defensive team, as they showed in a close loss to Penn State, as they showed in beating UCF. They have been up and down offensively, um, and that's going to determine you know, whether they end up challenging for a second straight Coastal Division title or whether it's you know a UVA, uh, our current favorite, to hold on to that and make it a seventh different Coastal representative playing in the ACC championship game. You all know the deal. Last six years, Carolina's been there, Duke's been there, Virginia Tech's been there, Miami's been there, Georgia Tech, and last year was Pitt. So six of the seven in the last six years represented the Coastal in the ACC title game. Now, they would get slaughtered by Clemson, usually. I guess the Tar Heels came close one time under Larry Fedora to the Tigers. That was a one-possession game. But the Coastal Lamb often loses to back then Florida State, more recently Clemson, in the ACC title game in the divisional format. If somehow UVA wins it, it's seven different representatives in seven years. But you can't count Pitt out yet. They did lose their opener to Virginia. So that is... If it came to a tiebreaker, Cavaliers and Panthers down the road, then that would matter. But only one game into your conference schedule, it's clearly a big guessing game. Dave Doran of NC State joins us in about 45 minutes. It's more of your phone calls on the other side. In college football elsewhere, there are undefeated teams, or in one case, a one-loss team that can't be counted out of the college football playoff yet. Remember, we usually end up splicing and dicing one-loss resumes and deciding who's more worthy, less worthy, more deserving, etc. There are at least a half a dozen teams that fit that description, that lofty description, and are playing what I call a Jeopardy game this weekend, where you just can't assume victory the way you often can for the heavyweights of college football. More on that picture as we welcome your calls. The Canes are back in the headlines. One week from today, they have their opener against the Montreal Canadiens. We're going to give away a pair of tickets to that opener with a parking pass as the Canes next Thursday at PNC Arena will open the new season. We will be there live with our show, and we are celebrating that as well by sending somebody one pair today with a parking pass, another pair or two between now and next Thursday. The NFL is on our mind. Week four begins tonight. The Eagles are at the Packers on Sunday, of course. Panthers at Texans, among many other worthy of your consideration matchups. 1-800-849-2761. And then the question of the day is a broad one. Who is the most unforgettable sports whistleblower? For you as an American sports fan, we're celebrating whistleblowers today because the wheels of sports justice simply cannot turn properly without them stepping up boldly and doing their jobs with their whistles and otherwise. Jose Canseco was a creative answer because we were thinking 
you know, Dick Bavetta, Joey Crawford, NBA legends who wore the whistle. Ed Hockley, Gene Steratore, Red Cashin, NFL legends who wore the whistle, the men in stripes, if you will. Brian Kersey, John Clockerty, Ramey Steins, Ray Natilli, friend of the program. Modern-day college basketball whistleblowers where hockey fans have nominated Andy Van Helleman, Bill McCreary, Wes McCauley, Kerry Frazier, some of those guys, of course, also having moved on to retirement. We're having fun with whistleblowers today, Darren. Do you get it? Who is the most unforgettable sports whistleblower for you as an American sports fan? Without those brave men and women in stripes, we risk lawlessness, chaos, authoritarianism, sports anarchy. We can't have it. We need them out there enforcing the rules and the importance of the rule of law as they are written. More of your whistleblower answers with our college football, NFL, Carolina Hurricanes. We're mixing in a little college hoops. Major League Baseball has only a few days left in its regular season. The ACC Network is back in the headlines a month or so after its launch. You can jump in with your question or comment, 1-800-849-2761, next on The David Glenn Show. The David Glenn Show, where the great guests have so much fun, they never want to leave. I'll come give you a pep talk before your next show if you need me to. We could use that from you, Webb Simpson, anytime. Hey, I'll be your intern after this. Is everything open, man? We'll take Joe Harris as an intern every day <laughs> and twice on Sunday. Listen weekdays to The David Glenn Show. Welcome back to The David Glenn Show. Dave Dorn of NC State joins us in about 35 minutes. You can be next on our question of the day. Who is the most unforgettable sports whistleblower for you as an American sports fan? We've had old school college hoops people nominate Lou Bello, Dick Paparo, and Lenny Wirtz. We have more modern examples from that sport as well. At the NBA level, Joey Crawford, Dick Bavetta, and many others. The NFL, Gene Steratore, Red Cashin, Ed Hockley. I've gotten some baseball umpire nominees, but technically they don't blow whistles. Sticking with the theme, the wheels of sports justice cannot turn properly without whistleblowers doing their job well. NHL fans, Kerry Frazier, Wes McCauley, Bill McCreary, McCreary and others, 1-800-849-2761. One thing I promised from college football, there are 17 unbeaten teams in the Power Five leagues alone. And as we fast forward and try to picture the college football playoff, only four spots. Usually, remember, there's only a single undefeated team, if that. And we end up splicing and dicing and splitting hairs over one-loss resumes. Just in the ACC, Clemson is 4-0 as it heads to Chapel Hill. Wake Forest is 4-0 as it heads to Chestnut Hill, taking on Boston College. UVA is 4-0 as the Cavaliers head to South Bend to take on Notre Dame. Excuse me. One of those is going to end this weekend. UVA is a 12-point underdog at the Fighting Irish. I like the Cavaliers to win the Coastal Division. I like the Cavaliers to continue their four-year climb under Bronco Mendenhall. Two, two wins in his first year. Six wins in his second year. Eight in his third year. They're going to beat that. They're going to play in the ACC title game. They're not the only candidate. I wouldn't give up on Miami. I wouldn't count out Pitt. I wouldn't count out any, almost anybody right now. Georgia Tech ain't going to do it. We know that. But 
I'm not sure UVA offensively has enough for Notre Dame's defense, as I explained. So the 17 unbeatens are going to dwindle. And I would bet on UVA, again, not falling by the wayside, just taking their 4-0 record to South Bend and falling to an Irish team that has only one loss and played the Georgia Bulldogs, an undefeated top-five team, fairly evenly between the hedges in Athens. Georgia got the best of the Irish up in South Bend two years ago. They got the best of them again, but again in a close game this past weekend. Notre Dame at 2-1 and one belongs to be in the top 15 or so of the rankings. UVA is number 18 with that 4-0 record. That would be one I would bet on falling by the wayside. As we come to your calls, 1-800-849-2761. And Darren, once you let a Jose Canseco whistleblower answer in, see what they're doing there? They're not going whistleblowing. They're going the more traditional whistleblower route from the non-sports world. Jose Canseco blowing the whistle in his book, and to a degree otherwise, on PED use in Major League Baseball. Do you see what they did there? That was very creative on Whistleblower Day here at the David Glenn Show. Come to think of it, one of my favorite sports movies of all time, as long as we're allowing different definitions of whistleblower. But again, Darren, sticking to sports as we even allow some variety for the whistleblower question of the day. Wasn't a whistle famous? And my favorite sports story of all time, and because it's my favorite story, I can't say I love the movie as much as I love, you know, Bull Durham and a handful of others, but because The Miracle on Ice is my favorite sports story of all time, do you know the movie well enough that if I said whistleblower, and again, this is not Ed Hockley whistleblower, this is a different kind of whistleblower, just on the... Hockey, he's not officiating anything. But wasn't he an important whistleblower as he whipped those American college men into shape? Right now, if I'm not mistaken, Herb Brooks... Again! ...was not the one blowing the whistle. Herb Brooks is kind of the dictator, actually. The out-of-control, unhinged-at-times tyrant that need to be reined in a little bit. It was Craig Patrick, his assistant coach who was given the task of blowing that whistle when they were doing the hockey equivalent. Did you ever have to run? You're not supposed to call them suicides anymore, right? <laughs> right. But I ran them yes. as a kid Many in baseball, in basketball, and other sports. And it wasn't fun. And sometimes people were throwing up into the nearest garbage can. In Miracle, the movie, and as a part of the, that's a true part of the Miracle on Ice phenomenon, 1980, Lake Placid, collegiate beating the hardened lion cheating Russians from the old Soviet Union, right? And right there in New York, Lake Placid, New York, 1980, in my childhood, the boys beat the men on American soil at a tricky time in American history. That whistle and that word, again, again. Do you remember that scene? Like, these guys are dying the, the doctor comes up to Herb Brooks and says, Herb, I know you're trying to make them the most physically fit team in the world of hockey, and you've done that for months at this point. But it got to the point where the doctor was worried that he was going to hurt the guys, that he, he was going to create injury situations. And he was punishing him and punishing him and punishing him. Again! And Craig Patrick, a fellow famous hockey guy, was the whistleblower. And, man, I mean, they all love each other because they won gold and everybody lives happily ever after. But even if you loved Craig Patrick as a person, and apparently he's a very lovable guy, he was like the good cop to Herb Brooks's bad cop in that famous story. 
they might have killed Herb Brooks if he were the one actually blowing the whistle because they hated him so much. Again, that was part of the story. Wouldn't somebody at some point just wrap the cord around Herb's neck and kill him? But because it's it was brilliant, wasn't it? He had the lovable good cop Craig Patrick as the ultimate whistleblower. Again! As a fundamental part of the Miracle on Ice story. If you're going to go Jose Canseco off the beaten trail with your whistleblower today, there's my Craig Patrick helping Herb Brooks and the American college kids get over their rivalries at the college level and bond together the way Americans are supposed to bond together. Again. In sports and otherwise. Again is right, Darren Vaught. 1-800-849-2761. Victor in Durham has a good whistleblower answer. The other unbeatens, Kansas State is unbeaten. They're going to play. I'm a man. I'm 40. Mike's, Mike Gundy in Oklahoma State Saturday night. I got that as another unbeaten falling by the wayside. See, you didn't even have to call up that audio, Darren. I just did that for you. Playoffs. He's also like 50 See, I at this do that point. for you. <laughs> yeah, your playoffs earlier was playoffs. spot on. This. <laughs> Master of the mullet, Mike Gundy, is going to take out Undefeated to this point, Kansas State. You've never had a, I'm a man, I'm 40, mixed in with a playoffs, have you? I'm just a human. I'm just what am a, I here for? You can- I'm just a human sports audio cliche machine as we go to Victor in Durham. Could 4-0 Ohio State be threatened by Scott Frost's Nebraska team? Probably not. But that's at least one worth watching. Saturday night, ABC game, 4-0 Buckeyes, number five in the national rankings, visiting Nebraska. Could 4-0 Auburn be threatened at home by 3-1 Mississippi State? Probably not, but that's your ESPN game on Saturday night. Again, UVA, I think, will go down. Could Penn State at 3-0 go to Maryland and lose? Maryland was good enough to annihilate Syracuse and yet middling enough to lose to Temple. But they're home. And that's a wicked, nasty, unpleasant rivalry. Number 12, Penn State. The Nittany Lions are 3-0, visiting the 2-1 Terrapins. That's a Friday night game on FS1. We're going to see multiple unbeatens go down. We're going to see the 17 Power 5 programs that haven't lost yet. That number dwindle week by week. Those are several of the most likely candidates to fall by the wayside. 1-800-849-2761. Victor in Durham has a fi- an unforgettable sports whistleblower for him as an American sports fan. What's going on, Victor? How you doing, uh, Mr. Glenn? Glad to have you. Glad that you have me on the show. Appreciate you joining uh, us, man. Who's on your mind and what? What makes him unforgettable? So uh, I don't know if this has been mentioned, but I believe that Joey Crawford would definitely have to be the the most well-known whistleblower yeah. of this era for if, if you know and everyone knows his call history has, has been crazy but if for no other reason it's because he ejected tim duncan from a game yeah. time just for laughing on the fence yes and isn't he the one in the viral video where he makes one of those stutter step calls where he's kind of yeah. running and like yeah, he was, he bounces was, on his landing foot like five times. Like you it's hard to do that. And and I forget if it was a charge or whatever. But you want to talk about dramatizing things. Holy cow. Give that man an Academy Award. Joey Crawford long in the tooth. I'm sure he's, you know, up there in terms of longevity and most games officiated, but yeah, memorable for those other reasons as well. 
Appreciate you listening, man. Thanks for playing, Victor and Durham. 1-800-849-2761. Nobody has to call me Mr. Glenn. Sam doesn't call me Mr. Glenn, does he? I mean, intern no. Sam represents the University of North Carolina. I, I would probably stop funneling him beers from the media bar if he ever said <laughs> Mr. Glenn. I'm not going to put up with that stuff. DG, dude, hey, you. Just, just Glenn. Some people favor Glenn's that. fine. Some of my best friends call me Glenn. No, Mr. Glenn, man. That's for my dad. 1-800-849-2761. Dave Doran live in about 25 minutes. His Wolfpack heads to Tallahassee to take on, I would say, one of the coaches under the most scrutiny in all of college football. Michigan's coach Jim Harbaugh fits that description after the embarrassing loss to Wisconsin last week. And Florida State coach Willie Taggart fits the description for different reasons. Harbaugh, remember, has put up 10 win seasons in three of his four years with the Wolverines. It's not a question of have you done good things for Michigan. He has. He's finished, I think, three of his four years ranked in the national top 15. Do that in this state, they'll build a statue of you. Three out of four years, 10 or more wins in top 15? Are you kidding me? Yeah, they'd be putting up statues in this state. Yes, they would if you do that at the FBS level. Well, they're not happy with that, especially the details of some of these crushing defeats. And, of course, the head-to-head record against Ohio State, et cetera. So Harbaugh would be one guy that fits this scrutiny description. Willie Taggart of Florida State, remember, doesn't have those things on his resume during his time with the Seminoles. He has even his record at 2-2. Two and two. The Wolfpack is a quality team heading to Tallahassee. We'll talk with Dave Doran more about his team, a little bit about his opponent when he joins us next hour. Your phone calls, too, on the David Glenn Show. I'm Jerome Robinson. Are you a hugger or a handshake guy? H- how does it work if Adam Silver is waiting for you? I really don't know. I, I hope it's not awkward. <laughs> um, you know, I hope it's not like a hand-to-hug-to-hand to hand kind of thing, but... I don't know. I might just mess around and just hug him. No hands. I think he's a hugger. You're listening to The David Glenn Show. Are the Miami Dolphins really numerically the worst 0-3 team in NFL history? What is my number one concern about the Carolina Hurricanes one week before their regular season opener? We have tickets to give away. We have Dave Doran joining us from NC State. We're back at you next. Roy Williams, welcome yeah. back to the David Glenn Show. Last year, two chains came walking by, and he reached his hand yeah. down and uh, shook my hand and said, two chains. And about five seconds after he walked away, I said, I missed a great opportunity. I should have said three rings. Keep it here on the David Glenn Show.